Join us for a ghoul's night out Friday, October 27th at 6 p.m. downtown Santa Barbara, right near the intersection of State and De La Guerra. We'll be outside on State Street. We'll have some goodies to give away. We'll be recording a live podcast episode, and we hope that you'll come and join us. See you there. Welcome to the Ghoul's Guide to Santa Barbara. I have crossed oceans of time to find you. I know this one. What is it? Oh, God. It's right on the tip of my tongue. If I do it in like a hokey accent, will it help you? (laughs) Maybe. Can I guess? Do it. I'll let you guess. I just want to hear the accent. No, I can't do it. Okay. <laughs> Liz, do you know? The Dracula? Bram Stoker's. Oh, yes. The, yes. the one with Gary Oldman, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Oh, the best one. The best so with good. Keanu. I have some things to tell you about yes, this tell movie. Oh my God, yes. So that was from Bram Stoker's Dracula. The whole thing is the title. Yes. Francis Ford Coppola's 1992 adaptation of the 1897 vampire novel. I loved this movie so much. So good. It's I so actually good. got punished and had to like break out of my house and go to my friend's house and get driven to the theater to be allowed to see it. And then it was dark and I sat on somebody's lap because I thought that the seat was empty. So I went through not oceans of time, but like (laughs) some travails to get to see this movie. That's horrifying. It was so so embarrassing. I just sat on him. So I loved it when I was an angsty teen. Yes, as I said. yes. So many a goth kid this movie made. I know. Even including Keanu Reeves's famously bad British accent. <laughs> so bad. So I bad. say, is the castle fall? That's so good. <laughs> he played Jonathan Harker. Winona Ryder was Mina Murray. Sadie yes. Frost played Lucy. Yes. Like the most campy, horrible. Oh. Like, oh my gosh. Winona forever. Yeah, the, fir- <laughs> the first of the gang to die. Richard E. Grant was Dr. Seward, oh, and he right. was so good. He ran an asylum containing somehow. Tom Waits as Redfield? That's right. Oh, I need to watch that again. <laughs> so long. Gary Oldman was our Count Dracula, and I'm saving the best for last. Anthony Hopkins as Dr. Van Helsing. Yeah. Yes. In what was kind of panned, like, review-wise. Yeah. But I think is maybe his best. <laughs> like, I love him as Dr. Van Helsing. Yeah. Oh, so, like, the whole movie, it's interesting because it's, like, a gorgeous movie, but also really gross looking to me like it's repellent to me so it's like this weird like balance between like is he hot is he gross like are the costumes beautiful are they the costumes are amazing yeah Um, it's very true the costumes won an oscar that year but they're like just a little off or too over the top for me like in a way but i think they're supposed to Mm -hmm. and i don't know if you remember but in like one of the treehouse of horror simpsons episodes (gasps) like mr (gasps) Mr. burns Burns. (laughs) and he like walks across the room and his cape just like trails forever yes (laughs) um (laughs) And so, like, the other thing I love about this movie, though, I didn't discover until later in life, and it's that all of the special effects or physical effects done in camera. Yes. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, I love the, like, are they, it's like paper cutouts or like puppets. Uh Like the shadow puppets at the beginning with the, yeah. My dad was an artist, and Uh we did a painting of that scene together. (gasps) And like, we both signed it, you know? Oh, I love that. Do you still have it? No. no. <laughs> There's a cool video. I think it's called The Naive Visual Effects of Bram Stoker's Dracula. Ooh. It's on YouTube and we can link to it on our website and oh, on yes. our YouTube channel. The website is ghoulsguidetosb.com. Every place else we're at Ghoul's Guide to SB. Oh, cool. tiny plug, like go like and subscribe. It really helps us. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I totally recommend that movie. It does stand up, although it maybe doesn't stand up 
to like when you were an angsty teen and kind of like <laughs> half in love with like anyone in a movie yeah, and like one anyone and everyone in the I movie. I think it'll still hold up. Yeah, yeah. it's good. 100%. It's good. And like just seeing, knowing that the visual effects were all happening like in the moment. Yeah. yeah. Like in the camera. effects. Yeah. Yes. And they were like, you know, just like reflections or mirrors or whatever, like just all kinds of different That's stuff. Cool. It makes it definitely worth a watch. Gosh, I love that movie. Same. Mm-hmm. I want to be Winona Ryder in that movie. <laughs> Except, like, okay, the thing about, like, Beautiful and Repellent, like, she makes out with him when he's, like, a face-dissolved, gross, <laughs> old, yeah, like, there's, right. there's there's vampire. There's a lot I'd, of grossness. Yeah, I'd be the like, could baddie. you, like, morph back into Gary Oldman? Because, right? like, yeah. my love is conditional. <laughs> I mean, and there's also, like, the troubling stealing away of a woman. Yeah. And, you know, there's that. But, yeah, I also wanted to be her 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 look in that movie is right up there with um christina ricci in sleepy hollow oh yeah oh yeah yeah the costuming is just i want every single thing that's worn i'm trying to think if i can find any flaw in that movie you know how like some movies are just like so awesome and then there's Uh but there's like one thing where you're like nope (laughs) nope can't get past that i cannot think of no it's just great of anything wrong with that movie nope (laughs) me either yeah, it's a good one. This is, as we said at the start, The Ghoul's Guide to Santa Barbara. And I'm Liz. I'm Jen. And I'm Summers. And today, Miss Jen is going to tell us the story, Cold Case, The Murder of Kim Morgan. Yes, I am. <laughs> um, so this one is, like I said, a cold case. And a lot of times I personally don't, I like a resolution. Right. Uh, yeah. I like things to be tightly be tied up at the end like a nice little package Mm -hmm. but as I have a personal connection to this that you will hear in the story um tangentially um and because it is remains to be unsolved um I chose to do it because in hopes that since it is still an active case that just in case anybody out there happens to hear this or, you know, hears about this and is led to talk about it or share it with anyone. And if in any tiny, small way uh, I can participate in the resolution of this case, I am happy to so play like that role. Shedding awesome. some light on it. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Attention. Yeah. I like that. And um, maybe, you know maybe approach it in a different way than a lot of the things that I read up to refresh my memory of it. Um, my resources will be linked on our website. Cool. The scrap of paper that I wrote them all down on is sitting <laughs> next to my bed no. where I finished this at one o'clock this morning. <laughs> so here Thank we you go. for your service. <laughs> Kim Morgan was born on May 24th, 1960 to John and Evan Morgan. She grew up in Palm Springs, California with her big sister, Julie. Kim loved music and played multiple instruments, including the piano, the flute, and the French horn. She was a fan of the Rolling Stones (laughs) and loved dancing, photography, and sketching fashion designs. Uh, Kim strikes a... Uh, I'm going to try this again. Hold on. Double. Okay. Wake up. <laughs> You're so noisy. <laughs> you good, baby? I don't think so. I know. I can't tell if I'm hearing it like I know, I don't where think I'm hearing can. it. So. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. She was tall, six feet as an adult, blonde, friendly, and outgoing, and knew what she wanted in life. 
1981, when Kim was 19, she was out dancing with her friends at a local disco when she met a man and ended up leaving with him. Wait, st- sorry, still in Palm Springs or up here? Okay, I'll start again okay, and sorry. I'll mention that. No, that's good. In 1981, when Kim was 19, she was out dancing in North Hollywood with friends when she met a man and ended up leaving the disco with him. I'm not sure exactly what happened between the disco and the time that she ended up in the hospital, but she was raped and beaten to the point of being unrecognizable. Oh, no. She's listed as a Jane Doe in the hospital, and when she never returns home and her parents start trying to locate her, her mother ends up identifying her at the hospital by a tiny freckle between her middle and ring fingers. Oh, heartbreaking. Yeah. But she's alive at this point. She is alive. Okay. However, she suffers amnesia due to the attack and spends four months in the hospital before transferring to rehab, where for the next year or so, she has to learn to speak, walk, and feed herself all over again. This doesn't stop Kim. She aspires to work in fashion and ends up moving across the country to attend the Fashion Institute of Technology in New York, where she works as an assistant to one of the greatest photographers of the 20th century, Irving Penn. Irving Penn is known for being the breaking the boundary between commercial and fine art photography. And just as a personal aside, like moving across the country to a big city like (laughs) New York is a big deal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Doing that after going through what she went to. Yes. I don't think I could personally do that. Mm -mm. So like resilient, resilient as all heck. So Kim is inspired to continue pursuing photography after this time in her life. And she moves to Santa Barbara to attend Brooks Institute of Photography in Montecito. All right. Where she's a student in 1985 while living in a small apartment with a roommate downtown on Valerio Street. In the spring, Kim places an ad in the the local newspaper for housing in exchange for light housework, childcare or gardening. And on Sunday, April 28th of 1985, Kim and her roommate decide to go out and get some breakfast. They're just heading out the door when the phone rings. Kim runs back and answers it to find a man calling in response to her ad. He and his family live in a large house in Montecito, the affluent neighborhood adjacent to Brooks, and he wants to discuss hiring Kim as as live-in childcare help. Hmm. This would be perfect as we all know it's tough to live here and yep. finding, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I can imagine how appealing that would be to be like, oh, it's near my school. It's a perfect setting. Right. Sounds too good to be true. Room and board and- I thought she wanted to work in a lighthouse, though. That was my dumb joke. You said lighthouse work. Oh, lighthouse work. <laughs> I've just been sitting here grinning at myself. Like, don't say it. Don't say it. <laughs> I'll cut it out. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what are you doing with the pillow? I'm trying to just like absorb sound. Oh. <laughs> oh, to block double snoring. Yeah. Kind of. Okay. This is when it was touching your mm. your arm a little bit. Yeah. There we go. Okay. <laughs> he requests that they meet in an area of town known as the Mesa, as his mother-in-law lives nearby and the kids are at her house. So it would be convenient mm. and then they could meet yeah. up and she could meet the children to make mm. sure it's a good fit. They agree to meet at the shopping center on Meg's Road and Cliff Drive, which currently houses Lazy Acres Market, but at the time was Santa Cruz Market and the adjacent County Lumber Hardware. Hmm. And directly behind the County Lumber Building, in a modest house on a cul-de-sac, 
little Jen is newly nine years old. Oh Oh my gosh. So this comes into play because this is like the last known spot Mm -hmm. of her and was across literally across the street from our house. And so I remember our parents hearing about this. Mm -hmm. I remember hearing about it. It was like a big thing in our neighborhood because it happened so close to us. Yeah. Mm. Witnesses would later describe seeing Kim in the parking lot talking to a man in his 30s around 5'6 to 5'8 wearing a blue Hawaiian type shirt, light blue pants and shoes with two inch heels, which were (laughs) (laughs) which are also referred to as like elevator shoes or lifted shoes. Uh Oh, my gosh. And at first I read this and I was like, I mean, if you're going to go out to do murder, like, Why would you put on like a loud Hawaiian shirt? But then I started thinking the context of Santa Barbara, like you would actually probably blend in in this outfit. Or maybe you never wear anything like that at all ever. Oh, true. And you're trying to like draw. Like I'm a tourist. Hmm. Yeah. What what year? Sorry, what year? 1985. 85. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. I don't. Hmm. The whole shoe thing is weird. Um I don't know if maybe that stood out to witnesses because she's six foot. She's tall, statuesque, blonde. Mm -hmm. And maybe someone noticed like there was a significant height difference. And also he was wearing these tall shoes. The man was in Cuban heels. (laughs) Exactly. That's what I I picture him. (laughs) He just can't let go of disco. Yeah. Yeah. So they they also refer to him as uh, he's said to have dark skin, dark eyes, a quote unquote Mediterranean complexion. And... I know that it's the wrong colors, but like my brain pictures him as Mercutio in Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> uh, because uh, who is he? John Leguizamo. John Leguizamo mm-hmm. wears like a Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the mm-hmm. whole time. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like my brain thought man in a Hawaiian <laughs> yeah, shirt, no, with dark like hair and a yeah. quote unquote Mediterranean complexion. Uh, it was not, in fact, John Leguizamo. John Leguizamo. <laughs> <laughs> But it might have been Dennis Miller. It might have been. No, that's later. There's always a one person. He was seen next to a blue and white 1979 Buick Century or possibly a 70s or 80s Chevy Caprice or Impala type vehicle. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, It's he's said to have had out of state license plates reports uh, from witnesses said maybe blue and gold or yellow plate plates um possibly oregon Hmm. after her attack years ago it's hard to believe what could have made kim leave with this man but Mm -hmm. she's never seen again no um yeah just like i mean i've never had something that terrible happen to me and i feel like my hackles are always up Mm -hmm. when i'm around people i'm pretty cynical and suspicious Mm -hmm. i would never go meet a man in a parking lot by myself Mm-mm. I can't even make a Craigslist purchase without like bringing up my husband <laughs> oh, being home any minute every two seconds. Like Mm-mm. if I talk to someone on the phone, I'm like, oh, sorry, that's just my husband who happens to be right here yeah. and is, you know, six foot 100 and, you know, built yeah. like a linebacker and would definitely kill you if you tried to come here. Remind us how old she is at the time. So she is 24, I believe. Okay. She was 19 in 1981, okay. and now we're in 1985. Okay. Um, I don't know if you care. John Leguizamo was Tybalt. You're correct. <laughs> so you can cut out that whole part. Make it so. 
When Kim never returns home, her roommate reaches out to their landlord to go investigate. And on Monday, April 29th, they find her car parked, unlocked, back at the shopping center. Kim's roommate doesn't know what to do, so she calls Kim's parents. And when John, her dad, hears that something has potentially happened to his daughter, all he can muster is, oh no, not again. Oh, no. oh good roommate, so though. Yeah. So wait, how, how long, when did the roommate find the car? So she she never comes home and they're trying to figure out like what happened. And uh-huh. so it, the, next, the day next day they go. Mm-hmm. Okay. So she probably was like waiting around and then like it was really late. Yeah. And, you know, and then they mm-hmm. just, they probably went first thing Monday, I'm assuming. Hmm. But I didn't see any I've specific had roommates times. where I've been gone for like a week and they didn't do shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I really like the idea of like women caring about each other enough to like Well, and remember the they parent. were also like they were about to head out for breakfast and she was and she ran back in to answer the the phone oh, and so it was like a oh I guess we can't go to breakfast because I'm going to go meet this guy. Oh, okay. So her roommate knew that she was going to meet a stranger, mm-hmm. you know, at this shopping mm-hmm. center. She knew exactly where she was going and why. So Kim's reported missing to the police and they try to piece together what happened. Um, Kim's mom, Evan, is distraught at the thought of anything horrible happening to her daughter again. And she has a disturbing dream that she's being held captive in a remote cabin in the hills above Montecito. Mm. She says that in the dream, she sees Kim tied up in the corner of a cabin. And the dream is so vivid that even though she's generally unfamiliar with the Montecito area, she draws a detailed sketch of the cabin inside and out in hopes that it may help police locate Kim. Wow. That's, I'm sorry. <laughs> we can cut this too. No, we have to stop talking about cutting things, I think. <laughs> but that's weird to me too. Like, hey, I dreamed this. Here's a map of the dream that I had that's clearly not where she is. Did people just like, I mean, I guess it's a desperate mom and you right. just like do whatever. I almost said... That ended up not leading anywhere, but that kind of is clear because unless Mm -hmm. you believe in psychic dreams, which I mean, I've had dreams where then like the, you know, you have a dream and then that thing happens in real life and you don't know whether like, did I see this thing? And then I dreamed, but also I get being like, this is the second fucking time that something horrific has happened to her daughter and she's probably like I don't even know if this is helpful because I yeah. feel mm-hmm. like I would be that in you know like I've I've taken a kid who is bleeding to the doctor and been like three days ago they fell in there they yeah. they drank this thing does that help like you know <laughs> when your kid is when mm-hmm. something horrible is happening you just you're like I don't I don't know if this is helpful but for like anything exactly yeah exactly. just like doing so. something oh. and honestly at the time it probably gave her something to do and something exactly. to focus on like I can do this thing that may help yeah, and probably helped her feel less helpless. On late Thursday, May 2nd, which is four days later, Mm -hmm. I had to go back and like figure out like how many, because it's the end of one month into the next month. So I had to like make myself a little chart. So four days later on late Thursday, May 2nd, a man is out collecting aluminum cans that are sometimes tossed off the road or left behind by ne'er-do-well teens <laughs> in the area of the foothills, approximately one and a half miles east of Painted Cave Road on West Camino Cielo, okay. just past Knapp's Castle. Mm-hmm. For any of you who have ever been there, we'll probably do an episode on that later, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I used to go there. I didn't realize that was up that way. I yeah. thought it was above Montecito. But I mean, you go up the 154 and mm-hmm. then turn towards Montecito. So huh. it is okay. back in that direction. Um, 
He spots what looks like an arm about 50 feet down the embankment. (gasps) He's concerned, but due to his undocumented immigration status, Mm. he's worried about, you know, contacting anyone reporting anything because he doesn't want to jeopardize his own safety. Mm -hmm. Um, He eventually calls the police and is assured that he can report the incident without concern. I did like a couple of my resources or other things that I listened to, like said, and then he was promptly deported, which I could see that happening. Yeah, I could see the police being like, yeah, no, 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 you're going to be fine. And then like, (laughs) ha ha, just kidding. Mm -hmm. Um, But I couldn't find anything that confirmed what happened to him after this. We're just going to thank him for uh, taking that potential leap of faith Mm -hmm. to report this. Otherwise, her body would not have potentially not have been found. Yeah. Um, the police arrive and cons- confirm that it is a human arm amongst the foxtails and oak brush. Two hours later, detectives discover a head further down the hill oh, no. and a leg under another oak tree. Yikes. The next day, as the search continues, both thighs are found side by side about what? a mile away in a hidden culvert that runs under the road. Oh my gosh. Kim had recently been bit by a dog and her mother said that a corresponding injury on her leg helped confirm that the body parts were that of her daughter. Oh, that poor woman just identifying yeah. I know. her daughter by like the... Oh. Yeah. I mean, imagine having to identify your child's body twice in two different situations yeah, and within the span of... Second part, second time it's in pieces. Yeah. Yeah, that's awful. So a composite sketch is created of the man witnesses claim that they saw with Kim at the parking lot and over 10,000 copies are made and distributed. In addition to stories being run in local papers, TV and radio asking the community for any help they can give. Police set up a tip line and although a thousand plus tips are received, none pan out to any real significance. Mm -hmm. Multiple detectives work 18 to 24 hour shifts to try and collect evidence and follow up on leads from Santa Cruz all the way to New York. Forensic specialists determined that due to the way in which the body was processed, the killer had to have been someone with previous experience. Oh, gosh. The body had been drained of blood and meticulously cleaned and dismembered. The lack of decomposition. Sorry. The lack of decomposition at the time of discovery of the body indicated that either Kim had been held for days before being murdered or that her body had been refrigerated until it was distributed in the hills. Oh my gosh. So is this like a butcher? It's like a little Black Dahlia-esque, like drain of blood. Mm -hmm. They determined that the murderer had to not only have the knowledge to have disarticulated the remains, but the tools and privacy to have spent the 10 to 18 hours that would have been necessary. Right. So there were like, they tried to find like local doctors, local butchers. Mm-hmm. There was even talk of like, was there a guest lecturer at UCSB that dealt with, you know, Mm -hmm. any kind of topic that would give someone the skills in order to do this? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we have local hospitals that sometimes have traveling um, employees. Mm -hmm. So they really tried to just figure out any kind of um, connection that could be made. A $36,000 reward was funded by Brooks Institute and the community to try and garner more information. 
And after five months with no concrete leads, Kim's parents came to Santa Barbara to record a PSA that was distributed to local television stations, hoping to keep the case fresh in the minds of the community. Years went by with no more remains found, no crime scene, and no solid suspects. In 2002, the Santa Barbara Police Department created a cold case unit to focus on the 22 unsolved homicides in the city, including Kim Morgan's. Detectives previously assigned to her case consulted with the new unit to continue their search for her killer, but the case remains unsolved. Both the city and the FBI still consider this an ongoing investigation, and if anyone listening thinks they may have any information connected to this case, they can contact the FBI LA Field Office at 310-477-6565 or the Santa Barbara Police Department at 805-897-2300. I have a couple additional little notes that Mm -hmm. I couldn't really figure out exactly where to fit them into Mm -hmm. the story. Um, One of them, these are kind of just personal um, things related to this case Mm -hmm. that kind of touched me, but I didn't know exactly where to place them. Um, Kim's mom was given a gold ring that she was wearing. And when they first handed it to her, she said it was white hot with psychic energy. Like she immediately oh, dropped it. So and, maybe like the she, you know, put stock in the cabin dream because maybe mm-hmm. she was, you Woo-woo. know, into that. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, but then over time, uh, she was able to hold it longer and longer and she now wears it. Oh. In remembrance of her daughter. Um, her sister Julie claims that the last time they that her and Kim were together, they fought over they were out together and one of them wanted to leave a club and the other wanted to stay and they got mm-hmm. in a big sister uh-huh. fight and that, that final interaction still haunts her because oh. it's the last oh, time her so and her sister sad. were together. That's so sad. I always think with that stuff, like, like, okay, I had a really difficult relationship with my mother and so I could go back yeah. and torture myself, but I don't because I feel like well, it was an honestly difficult relationship and that's normal and fine and natural. But it's so hard when like the last thing you say to someone mm-hmm. is not the loving thing that you wish you'd left them with. Yeah. Ugh. Another quote from one of the detectives that worked the case was in talking about how affected he was by it was that when they went to the apartment, he reported seeing pink nail polish out on her dresser. And then when her arm was recovered, he recognized the color on her nails. Oh, terrible. And he says that will always stay with him. Yeah. So yeah, the, the, her torso, one arm and the rest, like the lower half of the other leg was never recovered. Whoa. This one is hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah. And, yeah, and I like I said, I I totally remember hearing about it because it was like the In fact your neighborhood. That, yeah, yeah, it was like just across the street, mm-hmm. and I used to hang out there all the time. I mm-hmm. used to go used to go over to the Santa Cruz Market and steal cardboard boxes from their <laughs> dumpster and build forts in our front yard and it's that kind of thing of any time that your little safe haven of your yeah like home circle area yep can mm-hmm. be I don't want to say tainted that's not the right word but you know what I mean well especially if yeah. you're a kid and you, you know your home and your world is like this hopefully feels like a safe place and then something like that happens mm-hmm. so close 
Yeah. And I feel like, um, you know, for what it's worth of all the terrible things that happen currently, I feel like as kids in the eighties, like there was just a lot of that. Yeah. Because that wasn't the only thing that happened, like, right in my Uh own little neighborhood. (laughs) Yeah. This is just the one I was focusing on today. Right. Yeah. I think I I, want to say that, like, yeah, we had a lot of those posters. Uh um, Oh, really? Like, around the area because, yeah, yeah, it was so fresh and right there. And so they were trying to get anyone who was there that day that saw him that maybe had more information. And I'll um, I'll put pictures of... The lovely Kim um, on our social media. Yeah. She has just, you know, one of those sparkling faces. She yeah. looks like a lot of fun. Not <laughs> that people who aren't fun aren't deserve to pretty, die, yeah. but, you know. No, but I bet that it's her face in particular is like really meaningful to you because you saw posters of her yeah, and probably yeah. imagined what had happened to her. Yeah. And like you were nine, right? You said mm-hmm. like, did you hear details? I took, so my birthday was 10 days before she uh, went missing. So you were a young nine. Yeah. So but, I was a young nine, but I definitely remember hearing about it. Like and, that she was in pieces and stuff. Yeah. So, oh, I, God. so I remember, so I learned a little more details um, because you know how you, you grow up with things and you, you think that you know the story, but mm-hmm. I, I remembered it as she was taken from the parking lot and then her, her body was discovered, you know, chopped up in pieces mm-hmm. all over. And I remembered it as Ealing's park, mm-hmm. probably just because it was like the, they said yeah. the hills mm-hmm. and when you're nine, and that's Ealing's park can nearby. feel like hills because, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, because on, on the Mesa, on this, in this area of town mm-hmm. where we're talking about the Mesa is kind of a raised but flat area. A and Mesa? Then, yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, a Mesa is a table, so... Um, you know, so then there's like you go up and over the hills to go down to the rest a of Mesa is also a Mesa. It's a, <laughs> Come on. <yes. laughs> it's an archipelago. <laughs> and cliffs can be shores. <laughs> thing. And you can jump off the city college <laughs> bluffs into the ocean. <laughs> right into the ocean. <laughs> that one wasn't right, but <laughs> cliffs can be shores. Yeah. So in my little sphere of of nine year old living, uh-huh. um, the hills to me sure. were the ones that are yeah, yeah. right there. And then yeah. if you go over them, then you go down to, to the rest of downtown Santa Barbara. Yeah. Um, so that that's sense. probably why I associated it with the hills much closer to our house. So mm-hmm. I thought this took place much closer to us. Um, and yeah, it just, it amazes me that like nowhere, no, they never found a crime scene Yeah, and mm-hmm. just nothing to tie i mean i don't know i don't know all the ins and outs of what the police department has on this case but yeah that's a gnarly one and the skills required that's so weird just process that body i hate to call it processing but like the skills required are a particular set of skills right so like the privacy to yeah to to you know do that to have somewhere to bring someone in unnoticed Mm -hmm. Um, potentially keep them there unnoticed for a few days or mm-hmm. murder them and refrigerate uh, them. And, and she, if it, if, I mean, because also we don't know if the man that she left with is the man that killed her. Right. Um, but if it was like, she had quite a size advantage on him. Hmm. So like for her to get in a car and then be overtaken is, you know, yeah, I mean, there's, you're right, but 
I feel like I feel like he would have known that and like struck particularly violently and hard to like get past that. Sure, Mm -hmm. there's speculation as to whether like he drugged her immediately, like said, Mm -hmm. "Oh, let's go meet my kids," and then drugged her somehow. And you know, someone that would be that that calculating to Mm -hmm. do what happened afterwards. Yeah, or you even like get to wherever he's taking her and like, oh, the kids are inside, and he opens the door and oh, after you, and then yeah, you know, there's just a million ways. Yeah, a million ways. Like despite. Right, her being physically bigger. Yeah, and like, was the let's meet on the mesa? Was that just like a convenience thing, or did he was he living up there? Right. Like, did this all happen like around the corner from me? Oh, like, right. And so, where are you going to get picked? Like, oh, that's just a terrifying thing to know about as a kid. I yeah, think. as part of the investigation, you know, they obviously tried to link it to any other uh, murders that happened this mm-hmm. way, and also, you know, kind of just that idea of oh, someone who's going to take this much effort Mm -hmm. to dispose of a body is it's uncommon for that to be just like a one-time thing yes Mm -hmm. that's not like a (laughs) this doesn't seem like an impulse yeah it's not like a crime of opportunity Mm -hmm. it's yeah but yet like there's not really serial killers that have that same mo um, in the area, uh-huh. there's people that were like, oh, is it the Golden State Killer, the original Night Stalker, blah, uh-huh. blah, blah. But it's like, yeah, but that's not those dudes' way mm-hmm. of doing yeah. things at all. Mm-hmm. But that's interesting because like, if it was an out-of-state car, like, was he just... Yeah, that's where they were like, the country. is it a visitor? Is it someone that... Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, that's why there was no like recognizable pattern. Mm-hmm. If you know, yeah, there I mean, were multiples, like, you know. We'd mm-hmm. like to think that they would like, you know, expand their circle. Right. And be like, was but has there anyone right. in the United States or the world that has yeah. done a similar? But like, I don't know. We all watch the crime shows like in 1985 mm-hmm. where they're the, could you just hop on a computer and be like, hey, are there any similar mm-hmm. cases? <laughs> or yeah. did you have to like call individual? I think you had to probably call. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. also like it makes you, you know, if you have no, no weapon, no blood, that yeah. kind of thing. Like, I just mean, no obviously evidence. the um, the forensic science was not what it is today to mm-hmm. trace DNA and stuff in that way. But, you know, a lot of times things like having blood gives you a little more way to trace things. Yeah. At least they could have had her blood type or, oh. well, I guess they would have had that. Yeah. But any kind of additional evidence. Wow. Yeah. That's And like, yeah. what was her death? the intended result of that meeting or was he just going to rape her and she died by accident and right. like he knows the butcher or you oh, know I don't know yeah. like it just feels yeah. like it could be so many questions yes. yeah That's yeah terrible and, um like how calculated was this was the guy like scanning the ads right the paper trying to find someone yeah mm-hmm. and like what was the culture of looking out for yourself as a young woman I mean I feel like we would take a friend and be totally suspicious. So mm-hmm. maybe just the culture wasn't, you didn't get told like, hey, everybody's yeah. out to kill you. Right. Watch that, out. <laughs> yeah. But it's also that thing of like, but if what happened to her four years prior happened to me, mm-hmm. I feel like I wouldn't need someone to be like, hey, something terrible might happen because yeah, something terrible did happen. Did she definitely 100% recover mentally? That, that? I, yeah, that I don't know. But then with, a, with also, a brain with a traumatic brain injury, it's hard yeah. to you know. Sometimes you can lose like impulse mm-hmm, or yeah. you know just kind of social oh, social cues. Oh, yeah, yeah. So what is that, that called? Kind of, but you also probably impulse don't think control. like like lightning's not going to strike twice. Right? I mean, holy <laughs> like, shit! 
almost the worst possible thing I can imagine happening to me happened. So what are happened. what's mm-hmm. the odds that something even worse is oh, going to happen? Gosh. Yeah, because I do that. Like I run statistics <laughs> as a form of coping with my mm-hmm. anxiety. So I'll tell myself, you know, things like, like when I'm camping, mm-hmm. if I wake up in the middle of the night and I hear a noise and I start freaking out, I tell myself, you listen to so like you <laughs> know about so many murders mm-hmm. and I can't think of one where a mom was just casually camping within an hour of her home and someone came into a campground and just murdered her in the middle of the night. Like, so the odds of that happening are pretty good. I can go back to sleep. Like I statistics myself out of these things all the time. I do that when I swim in the ocean, which is rare. But as long as there are plenty of other people around me, I'm like, okay, the odds I'm yeah. not going to get eaten like, by a shark are pretty good. Probably smells yummier than to a shark than yeah. me. <laughs> oh, what a tragedy for like, just everybody. This poor family. Yeah. Yeah. So, like I said, if you have any information, yeah, yeah, I mean, speaking of odds, the odds are slim that anyone listening to this was there, right? But the more mm-hmm. we talk about Kim, the more we put it out there into the world. Well, it's good that it's still an open case, at least, and they're open to hearing more. Yeah, Ugh. I feel weird about doing a magic eight ball question on yeah. this one. Okay, but we can. I just, I don't know. Mm. Yeah, it's hard because this. This story has so many unanswered questions mm-hmm. that yeah. can't be answered with a magic eight ball. I wish they could. Yeah. It just seems but not very respectful. We can skip it. Okay, let's skip it. I agree that. Okay. okay. Well, once again, thanks for listening. Yeah. Bye. We'll, we'll see you next time. Hi, Mom. Thanks. Thanks for listening to The Ghoul's Guide to Santa Barbara. Like and subscribe on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Ghoul's Guide to SB. Our website is ghoulsguidetosb.com. Got a spooky story or know of a haunted or paranormal location in Santa Barbara? Send it to us at ghoulsguidetosb at gmail.com. <laughs>